Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hi, I'm Danny Kelly. Charlie Baker. And this is the H&J Daily. Your podcast with all the great stuff here. And what great stuff we have today. Oh, having people in the studio makes a massive difference. A couple of big British stars with books out. Amir Khan and Danny Cipriani. And not just ordinary books. They really had something to say. And in very different ways, they, uh, they forced you to think about sport and mm. life in, in a different way. They were both brilliant. I look forward to hearing on the podcast. Bits and pieces that you and I did. We had a laugh, Danny, didn't we, as always. Uh, that's all there can be. Enjoy it. Another podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Kelly, I'm sitting in once again for Paul Hawksby to try and keep the show on the rails. I'm delighted to say that uh, regular uh, number two uh, these days, I'm delighted to say he's the Don of Devon, he is the Pasha of Pasty, he is the Nabob of Newton Abbott. It is, of course, Charlie Baker. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Danny. What an intro. Absolutely I, I beautiful. kind of run out of things I know about Devon uh, there, <laughs> quite, a, quite a way through there, you know. That's just um, how it goes. You should come and see my tour show, Danny, and then I'll tell you a lot I, more things. Yeah. That you said to mention it. Are, are you Did on you tour? Did you mean straight from the top or are not? Are you on tour, Charlie? What an amazing thing. <laughs> I am in Hull on Saturday night. Imagine yeah. that. You can come there. Tickets still available. And I like people, are just so as you all know, Charlie, several people came up to me at his last gig and said, we only came because you were going on about it on Talk Sports. Oh. So I expect we'll hear some more of that. I tell you what, the talk sport listeners come out in their droves. It's absolutely lovely to see them at the gigs. I absolutely love it. Absolutely good. Listen, as I said in the intro there to the news, we uh, don't have to sell the show very, very hard. No. Um, two people who have got books out. Let's not kid ourselves. We haven't just bumped into them in the street. But Amir Khan will join us very, very soon. An amazingly revelatory book about his life outside the ring as much as inside it um, called uh, Fight For Your Life. And Danny Cipriani, um, of course, such a brilliant and talented rugby player. Um, 20 England caps, does that really reflect mm. his talent? I'm not sure it does. Danny's got a book called Who Am I? And it's about, again, a journey in his own mind to try and find out, you know, quite apart from being a brilliant drug player, exactly who and what he is. We'll have him in as well a little later in the show. And lots more besides. It should be a belting three hours. I can't wait for, well, I can wait for the start because it's actually started now. Um, well, we can board everybody to uh, Baker and Kelly, as I always like to say. And okay, just always, yes. rolls wrapped off the tongue very well <laughs> here on Talk Sport. Oh, we've we've outdone the intro music. Oh, yeah, well, that's nice, isn't look, it? Look at Bill. You know, a proper engineer would have mixed that. Uh, they would have done Norman <laughs> Cook on that and mixed it into something else. But oh no, it just comes to a dead stop. There you go. There you go. I mean, that's that's what a professional would have tried. I don't know. <laughs> Danny, do you know it's sickening being around at the moment? Virtually anybody. Got <laughs> Spurs fans. Ah. They're like. Giggly little boys they are. They're all excited about seeing Ange again this weekend. It's like you've all got a new lover. And you're all like, oh, can't wait to see Ange this weekend. I put it, I put it more in every film in which criminals are involved. Um, we, we know how... I mean, I've never been anywhere near a prison. Oh, oh, I lived in the only borough in Britain that had th- th- two of them. Okay. And Islington is the smallest uh, area in Britain, you know, uh, government area, except for the city of London. 
and I grew up with Pentonville and Holloway literally staring at right, me. Right, yeah. Um, and there used to be a third as well oh. um, at what is now the Mount Pleasant um, post office. It used to be a prison as well. We used to have three. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know that moment where... It, the, the crook gets out of prison, whether it's a comedy, whether it's a oh, yeah. real drama, and they have the big gates with the little gate in it. I yeah. love a big oh, gate yeah. with a little gate in it. <laughs> little door, and that often has a grill in it as well, yeah. so you can see out. And they let you out a little door. It's like being that for a Spurs fan. Yeah. You come out of three years of incarceration <laughs> in the dankest cell um, with, a, with, with, with an old geezer who, 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 who lets off, um, you know, a lot, a, lot of body, a lot of gases you don't need, and suddenly the sunlight... Hits you on the face, and you, you you raise your neck back, and you raise your face towards the sun, and there it is a football team trying to win the matches in which it's playing, and you with your ninety pound a pop ticket can see them actually trying to win the matches. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Charlie, mm-hmm. and if, just uh, for those uh, Spurs fans who are getting too excited, am I right in thinking that we were top the stage last year under Conte and the year before that under? Okay. Under Nuno, so uh, let's not get too carried but away. But it is different. It's all different. It is different. We can, we can lose matches now because we've tried to win them. Um, losing matches when you don't try and win them is a thankless task. Yeah. And you're right, we probably are insufferable. Yeah, but, oh, it's but, awful. But we have suffered. I don't, I don't mind saying that we have suffered. You sort of let you off a bit with it, you know. You, you Thank have you. Had, you have had a and bit of a problem. And also you know we're not going to win the title or anything. Exactly, so, you're not going to win the title. You're not going to win anything. Still going to be another five years with nothing. Well, we'll see you know. about that. Didn't, did a Spurs fan win MasterChef this year? I think oh, he did. That, does that oh, count? I, I think they did, yeah. You'll never sing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. Now, you've got an important family birthday oh, to tell yeah. me about. Do you know what? It's my nan's 99th birthday today. Amazing. Nanny, as I know it. Um, I've always called her Nanny. My nan- Nanny's 99. But you don't want her, as a working-class dad, to be confused <laughs> no, that you actually yeah. had a nanny. I was talking to you earlier. On air, it's difficult to say na- nanny because people think you have a, you have a nanny or, or had a, goat. a nanny. Yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or a goat, because I am from Devon, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my, my nan is 99 today. What a thing. I mean, what's, what's she called? What's her name? She's called uh, Anne. Yeah. Anne Nock. Bless her. There we are. Uh, I've probably told everyone my passwords for yeah. many, many things. There three numbers on the back of the card, all that I'm, coming I'm up. I've nearly you know. finished the process of removing Harry Kane from all my passwords. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long, long process, trust me. Oh, and, you think, and you think I'm joking. I am not. <laughs> I do that. Um, but but she the trouble is, is, I can't spell Sonjun Ming's name. What about if you use a five as one of the no Gs? No one's going to think that Oliver Skip as my password, are they? Let's be honest. <laughs> She's 99 well, today, and, and, and I'll tell you what... I, 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 I presume she's not listening, but congratulations. <laughs> An incredible amazing. woman, yeah. uh, ran a guest house in Torquay, which is a hard, what, hard uh, thing to do. What else would she be doing in Torquay, uh, to uh, exactly, fair, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. Guest, I, I, I completely huh? think it's why she, she's why I got into comedy, because she used to get... Sticking up a poster of the Crankies or whatever, she'd get free tickets, and then we'd get the free wow. tickets, and we'd okay. go, you know. So really nice, but the most competitive person... You have met in your whole life. Okay. Brilliant at cards. That may would not, not give you an inch as a child. You, she would, if you whatever you were playing, be it snap, be it. She taught us whist at a very early age. Well, I'm I'm pleased to hear this because we're often presented with an image that um, you know women of a certain age were sort of kowtowed and mm. uh, submissive and all the rest. Of it. And certainly the laws of the country weren't helping them. But when I think about the sort of women of the generation before me, I also have a similar thing. I'm not sure they were very put upon, you know. No. They, 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 I've got to be honest. Now, you tell me as well, and this is really unusual, given yeah. that she is nearly 100 years of age, which is fantastic. And again, 
Um, the idea of women taking part in sport is a relatively modern mm. thing. You know, we all know about Nettie Honeyball and all the rest of Victorian yeah. women playing football, but they were Betty's oddities. Noble. They were outri- outliers, weren't they? Yeah. But your grandmother... Nana was a big hockey player growing yeah. up in Bude as a kid. She used to surf as wow. well, you know. So it's it's so good. when if you, if, if you ask her about it, I don't know, if, maybe not, but a couple of years ago, if you'd ask her about it, you'd, you'd get all these stories about this game and Fantastic. tennis she'd played and surfing and all those things and you you go it's, it's great when you actually ask an older person about something specific in their life because you get the stories so I wanted today sporting nans did right. your or, or sporting I grandparents mean, this is, I mean I know this sporting show, grandparents I know this this show um, revels in the long shop but this really is but good no no I think we'll get stories of of, of of sporting achievements that people's grandparents did and if it, of course if you happen to have a picture oh, of yeah. either of your grandparents in sports kit uh, we would love how can we get those just we'll yeah, get tweet them, them, tweet them on Twitter tweet yeah, them yeah. on Twitter T S H and J. let me just write that down for um, T S H and J on Twitter. I'd love to see some pictures of. I mean, because some people listen, their grandparents were around the 1980s. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, and they'll be. My, you know, here is Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but we'd love to hear. It is it is a long shot, but I would love to hear about. Um, you can just text us. You know, you know the number eight ten eighty nine. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Talksport or at T S H and J, and you know anything to do with grandparents at that time i don't know whether bill's got have you got this piece of commentary lined up bill oh yeah we've got that because nice. oh no we we haven't. we'll get that for later we on. will because we we uh we were talking about old sport then and i i was really racking my brains to think of because uh, of course charlie is a massive Torquay fan yeah if anybody had played for both spurs and Torquay, and then of course it came obvious to me back in the day um in the 1970s spurs bought a, a center forward off of Torquay called colin lee and if I remember rightly, Colin Lee, Spurs had been relegated. They were having their one season, second division. And they had Ian Moores, another guy, I think they bought him from Stoke. And they beat Bristol. Yeah. I want to say City. It could be okay. Rovers. 9-1. They don't mind if you mix them up. On the first, I know you don't. On the first, um, Bobby Gould does. <laughs> on the first um, home game of the new season, we, I think they won 9-1 Spurs. I remember, I remember, you know, youthful me thinking... This second division is going to be all right, isn't it? This yeah, is going to be yeah, perfect. Yeah. And Colin got four on his debut for Spurs, and Lee got three. Uh, sorry, yeah. uh, uh, Ian Moore's got three. But we'll play some commentary from an even older game between Torquay and Spurs later on as a tribute to to Charlie and to to, to uh, our missing colleague, the Hawksby, who's yeah, not here of with course, us. Yeah. Um, your nan, uh, ninety-nine. Yeah. That means genetically you're set up for a long run. Then. Well, you'd hope, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, who knows? You know, we can all. Get I mean, knocked. look at it. I can, all, I can step out of the studio and get knocked over like anyone else, Danny. But you, but you'd hope. You know, you'd hope it was there. I tell Sporting Talk United in the National League South will will not uh, make my life any longer. I tell you that because no. it is, even when we're three nil up, it is no fun. Well, I happen to know, and incidentally, the, the guy who produced yesterday, John, who's the regular producer, yes. we've got the lovely Jamie under control, John, so John's yeah. taking a break. Big Torquay fan. He's such a liar. Why? I, we, we, I was sitting there, we were talking about the start of the season, and I said, how are Torquay doing? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I can't I can't be bothered with things happening in the sixth level of English football, <laughs> you know that. Um, and he said, we're, well, we're top of the table. And oh. then I get the other Torquay fan that I know, and you know two of them. We're third. You're not top at we're all. We're third, we're one point back. Bath, Bath City. This is the yeah. level we've dropped to, Bath. 
Bath City. Local derby. Oh, I'm not, they're all local derbies. It's the Pasty League. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's all Western Supermare, it's Bath, it's, you know, Truro. The way the way that our producer is, is telling me to break here, you'd think he wasn't interested in what's going on <laughs> in the sixth level of English football in the oh, West Country people only. People need to know. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't think we would get many texts about sporting grandmothers and grandfathers because it is Charlie's nan's 99th, 99th birthday, birthday today. Yeah. We have, but I don't think we should. I think we should save them we'll save because them. We, we, did, we, will, yeah. we had the time because our special guest is one of two today is in the studio with us and one of the great boxers that Britain has produced in the last oh, yeah. 20 years. Um, he's got a new book out, uh, the autobiography is called Amir Khan, Fight for Your Life, and Amir Khan is here with us. Thank you very much for coming oh, hey, in. Amir. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, welcome. First thing and foremost to say yeah. about this um, is that it's not a normal sports biography, autobiography, in that, you know, you might go to it expecting, and then I fought him, and then I fought him, and then I fought Terence Crawford, and then I came back, and I beat him, and then Kel Brook, and all the rest of it. It's much more than that. It's very personal. Yeah. It's very, very open and honest. Some of it's pretty raw. Why did you decide to write this kind of book, Amir? I just want people to know who, who Amir Khan is in the, in the real way. I mean, um, you know, this book uh, tells you about my family life, my personal life, uh, my boxing, who everyone's interested in, but sure. I thought they've seen so much of that mm. and they want to know a little bit more. Obviously, we've got a TV show, reality TV show I do as well. So, and obviously the, the wife, uh, she's got a big following as well. So I thought, why not this time give it all show everyone tell everyone mm. everything about Amir Khan and the family and and given that it and we'll come yeah. on to some of the extraordinary details that you put into it yeah. um about things that have happened to you I mean oddly enough it seems to me that more crazy things have happened to you outside the ring than <laughs> boxing is already an, a really a strange way to make yes. your living isn't it yes but things happen to you as well did you have any misgivings about making any of this public no I wanted to obviously tell the story of everything about my whole career because there was nothing to hide um, everything I want to talk to talk to the people about is uh, is all true, and um, the way when I was doing the interviews with uh, John Woodhouse, who yeah. wrote the book with me, yes. um, no, he was saying, "Are you sure you want to put that in?" I go, "Yeah, I want to put everything in," mm. and he was quite surprised because he said, "Look, how I go, look, it's it's my autobiography, and I want everything in there that everyone knows me for, and they know me as a champion, and then it gives me a chance to." Like for the, for example, when I was uh, tested positive, it gave me a chance to speak about it and give my views yeah. on it. So it's my story on how I see things and how things really went and though it really were. Yeah, we were discussing earlier on, uh, you never dodged anyone in the ring. You know, a lot of fights at the moment, they don't seem to want to fight each yeah. other, but you've you never really dodged anyone in, in the ring and, and it sounds like you've not dodged, dodged the subject in the book. That's right. I think in the, my in my boxing career, I was too brave for my own good. I fought everyone going up to, up and down different weight divisions. But that's why and, so many people loved you, Amir. I mean, yeah. I, I, exciting, I, I, I was yeah. just saying, you know, <clears throat> you can say what you like about, about Amir Khan as a boxer. You can yeah. say he, he, he all the things that were said about you, both good and bad, but yeah, he look, never avoided in fact you sought out the best boxers for 15 years for 15 years for the best I mean you know I had a long 27 year uh, boxing career going to Olympics amateurs and everything mm. winning world championships and all sorts you know obviously may, may not have the best chin in the game but obviously that's what made it exciting and I'm not shy to talk about it now you know I mean I was put down several times in, in boxing but you know what it only made me stronger made me made me work even harder I made my fights even exciting a lot more exciting and people were on the edges of, of the edges of their seats thinking that you know what 
this is going to be an amazing battle. But the thing is, Amir could get caught and could mm. could could go down, go down. You know what I mean? So look, this is what made me exciting, and I I um, don't regret it. Why would you? No. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, and I'm I'm waiting for the next one. I'm waiting for another fighter like me who who can fight the highest level of the sport all around the world and. Uh, can keep it exciting as before, well. Before we get into the details that's in the book, mm. it struck me as what you were saying there. In the book, you say how you were a kid full of energy, yeah. some positive, some negative, but just an explosive firework of a child. Yeah. And your dad, bless him, worked yeah. out, this, the, the, you know, because people of a Pakistani heritage like yourself, never at that backstage, boxes, you, really. maybe cricket, cricket, maybe, but, but, but doctors, lawyers, these are mm. cliches. I know they're cliches, 100%. but, but that you, it's what they would have been expecting you to do. So, yeah. And he saw boxing in there. Um, but I mean, the question I want to, to, to ask you is, you've had such an extraordinary life up to now, and you're, you're probably not halfway through it. What yeah. are you going to do with all this energy as you go forward? You know, it's like I've done so much in my life, and I am quite tired now. It's like I've done everything I needed to do. And I'm only 36 years old, yeah. and you know when you've I've done TV shows and I've and I've travelled the world, and uh, now I've got my own kids. I think now for me is is getting closer to God, and also um, see my kids grow, and mm. hopefully being like my father was with me. My father supported me throughout boxing. I he used to take me to the gym, uh, and without him supporting me the way he did, I don't think I'll be in this position. So maybe this is this is now he was he's my role model where I have to be that role model to my son. Yeah. I have to take him to places, be there for him, uh and and, and support him. And not only to my son but to my girls as well. Mm -hmm. Look, um and, and and like you mentioned about the Pakistani uh other families that normally want the kids to be uh businessmen or in, in jobs, you know sure, jobs yeah. Yeah, professional, yeah. Generalization, professional but you jobs. Could, you can see where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. But you know with my dad I was very surprised that he let me do that because I had so much energy and he knew that he has to burn that energy somewhere. So what he did was he took me to the boxing club, just burn that energy, but I ended up loving it so much mm. I ended up staying there and, and using it as a as a tool of being disciplined and and and, and Doing it as a job as well. And you've enjoyed the life it, oh, it's given it. you. We see Connor Ben, we see Chris Eubank Jr. <clears throat> yeah. Would you recommend your kids go into boxing? Um, you know, it's funny because I, the other day I was holding my son and I was saying to the wife, I go, you know, he's a lot stronger and thicker than you're not, me. And... You're not feeling his biceps. <laughs> I am already. And he's only a baby, but you know, I can, yeah. I'm just working him out thinking. You, you did know, have you a got... bad jaw. He did give you a left hook. You know, yeah. you did go down. I did go down. We don't know about your jaw. But the thing is, you know, is is just his structure of his body thick yeah. and strong and hard. Like he's a lot thicker than me, bigger than me. So if he is gonna be a fighter, he'll be he'll probably be a lot heavier than me. Mm. But yeah, I mean, look, I let him maybe train, and if he wants to do it genetically, I'm sure it's in yeah. his genes. He he'll maybe want to try it out, mm. and if he's good, I I will have to support him. But I'd rather him not going to boxing because sure. you know how much of a brutal yeah. sport it's a nice is. It's murder, isn't it? I mean, sorry, that's, the, that's a really bad word to choose. It's a really hard uh, to make, it? make a living, you know. And I mean, you, you, yeah. you've been at it, as you say, most of your life. You, now, you've come out of it. You look very healthy. You're not mashed up or anything. No. But mm. it, 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 you're lucky because you were I'm so I'm very good lucky. You're I'm lucky. very lucky where yeah. I came out uh, financially securing myself and still being able to speak well and not slurring because mm -hmm. that can happen in boxing with the you punches you're taking day in there. You can see it. And, and got myself into other things, for example, like television and um, stuff like that. So boxing's been good for me and I've been very smart when to walk away from it. Look, in the last fight against Kell Brook, it wasn't my best performance, but still, 
I'm not blaming that something was wrong. I just don't have it in me. I didn't have it in me in, in that fact, fight. There's, there's a picture of the fight in the um, in in the, in the book, oh, and, yeah. and it says, "You say um, I had only one thought as I walked into the auditorium before the Kelbrook fight. I don't want to be here." And it says in capital letters. Mm. What do you mean by that? So I remember looking at the um, clock before leaving the changing rooms. Training camp had gone really well. I felt so good, so sharp. Um, the week of the fight, it's like I hit a wall. Honestly, it's like I hit a wall, all the hype and stuff. And um, I remember in the changing rooms, I was warming up. And you know when you just feel like, oh, you know, it's like I'm forcing myself to throw punches, forcing myself to get into that rhythm. I didn't really get into rhythm. But the last thing I did do, walking out of that changing room, is look at the clock and remember like it's about like 10, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, I think it was. Like within two hours, I'll be in my hotel in bed. Mm. Now, to think like that... Yeah, that's no good, is it? It's no, no good no, because no, yeah. I have never, ever thought like this in my life before. And that now, thinking about it now, what I was thinking of then, makes me realise that I knew it was over then. Like, yeah. I need to... I, I, you should not be in a sport if you think you can, of... You can sit in an office watching the clock. You can't do it in a boxing ring. No, There's no too way. much danger in there. Too much danger and you put your life on, on the line. But you know the thing was, with that fight, no matter what, however I felt, I would have done it because I did it for the British public. They wanted to see that fight and I did it for them. Honestly, even though when I was in training camp, at times I was feeling like I don't have it in me no more. Maybe because it was so hard and having such a long time out of the ring and coming mm. back in. Body was hurting, I was in pain. But I thought, I'm just, if I don't take this fight against Brooke, then what's going to happen is the whole nation is going to hate me for it. All boxing fans, because it's a fight that they've wanted to see for a very long time. Even though it might have been after my... Uh, Peak, but yeah, I wish, I, more, still, I, I wish more boxers thought yeah. like that. Thought, well, I've got to fight this guy too. Because of the public, and look, the public have been good with us. Mm. Oh, tickets, they give us the biggest paydays. It was a bit of a shame then for you that uh, it didn't come three or four years earlier, perhaps. You yeah, know? because but, you, like, you, look, when you and I read that bit of the book, I, I felt a bit sympathy for you because doing something like boxing and not wanting to really be there is very tricky. Um, and of course, I also felt a great sense of relief because you've come through it. Um, yeah. All right, you lost the fight, but you know people lose fights. That that's the that's it, the way. It, of it. It's life, you know. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. And um, I just uh, and when I didn't feel the way I felt, and it's like the love of it. When I I honestly made that decision in that changing room that I'm never gonna put on the gloves again, mm. and well, that's me. We'll get we'll get on to more of the things that are yeah. in the book. As I say, there's a whole series of, I guess you'd call them revelations, but things we wouldn't possibly have known about Amir Khan. We need to get some news and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get more. Uh, from the great man himself. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yeah, welcome back everybody to the second hour of three of today's edition of Kelly and Baker here on Talk Sport. Uh, if you, those of you who have been listening on the far side of the news, they will know that our guest today uh, at the present moment is Amir Khan. His book is called Fight for Your Life. And as we've been saying, Amir, um, as well as being, you know, plenty of stuff about the the, the people you fought in there. It's a who's who, isn't it? Not just Kelbrook, Terence Crawford, Canelo Alvarez, J J Zab Judah, Paulie Madeline Argy. I could go on and on yeah. and on and on. Um, as I say, the book, though, and you've told us why you wanted to write the raw truth, so let me intrude on I feel almost yeah. intrusive here. Yeah. One thing that's uh, really interesting is you talk about um, your relationship with your wife. I hope I get her name right. Fayal? Fayal, yeah. Fayal. Um, and, and at one stage, you, you, you kind of said it in public that you've written a book almost for her. Because well, there, yeah. there are I mean, times when, when you, the two yeah. of you weren't going to make it, apparently. Exactly. There were times where we uh, kind of, well, I walked away. 
Uh, I walked out and obviously, um, I think I did put her through a tough time. You know, um, she's she's amazing. She she loves my kids and she's a great mother. And it it, it was like a an apology. Uh, I wrote the book uh, to her because I have put her through a tough time. Knowing why I did this as well is because I've seen all the hard work that she's done for me and how hard she's worked for me and. People don't see this. People just see her maybe being a model and stuff like that for our Instagram, social media. She's a massive following on social yeah. media herself, doesn't she? But the she, thing yeah. is, people don't see the work that she She looks after all the banking sites. She looks after all the, She looks after all my lawyers, my accountants. Any media stuff that comes in, she makes sure so she gives it and passes it to the right people. Emails and, and, and then the house stuff and looking after the kids mm. at the same time and setting everything up and even packing my bag when I came to... Because I, I spent a lot of time in Dubai now, so even packing my bag and... Uh, for when I came to UK so you know them things go a long way and you know mm. we've had our ups and downs and uh, for you know for putting her through a very tough time I think this book needed to be written and uh, and like a, as a thank you as well has she read it? Uh, she's not read it yet. Well, she, well, she had to quickly go through a few uh, chapters, but yeah. I don't think she's with read her lawyers. part. But yeah, yeah, with the lies and stuff. Yeah, but she didn't. She didn't. Uh, I don't think she's read her chapter yet. So. Yeah, you're yeah. unflinchingly honest, and, and, I th- and I think that openness yeah. uh, is what's endeared you to uh, the wider British public as well. You know, and gets you on things like I'm a celebrity. But lots of people will have yeah. seen you on I'm a celebrity. Get me out of it. You say we've had a couple of uh, texts there about yeah. uh, you stealing the straw, not stealing strawberries, eating the strawberries <laughs> before you went back to camp. Yeah. I don't want to say you stole the strawberries. Yeah. You yeah. stole the strawberries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying people bring you strawberries now when you do book yeah, signings. It was, it was crazy because what's been happening is I went to a book signing yesterday and someone came over uh, with a bo- with a box of strawberries. <laughs> and I just started laughing and people still have that. And that's, this was back in 2017 yeah. when I was in the jungle. You, you know? could be world champion as many many times many, as you like. Strawberries I mean, you're going to be the strawberry guy and forever. Should, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was, a, it was a silly moment I did in the jungle, but it stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. Everyone thinks I love it, strawberries. Yeah. And, yeah. Fancy any of the other... Of the other um, sort of celebrity shows, you know what? Have you got um, your eyes on any? any yeah, any I've got two left feet. I'm not really, never really had okay. decent footwork, so I've Didn't been stop Darren com- Goff winning. I know. <laughs> when he come dancing, yeah, on ice, yeah, 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 yeah. Me, yeah. I would never do that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just feel Box, that boxers should be good at it though. It's all about that. footwork. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, give it a go one day, maybe. But at the moment, I think I'm all right. Okay. Know, I think, but listen, I think um, also doing shows like that, you know. People get to see the real side of you. Like you said, yeah. you know, this book that I've got is telling who Amir Khan really is. And I am a normal person. See, people know me normally as when you have a fight coming up and you're in front of your opponent, you have a press conference with your opponent there. You know, you're going to be a, you're going you're gonna to be confident. You might come across being cocky, arrogant, being yeah. arrogant. But no, I mean, I'm a normal guy, you know. I still get told off by the family, mum, dad, mm. wife. I mean, they all tell me off. I mean, and I, I'm just... Uh, how many times a year does your dad say you got all this because I took you down the boxing gym? Never, never, you know what? He's never, never said, said that. It. Never, never said, said that. Yeah. That's, never yeah. taken any credit for it at all. No, no, nothing. No, never really said that because I think my dad knows as well that it, you know. Okay, fine, he could do that, but then it's up to me to work hard and get there as well. So yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot of work from of me as well, but still a lot of respect there. Where sometimes, like, some people would rub it in your face, but uh, no, that's never really happened. Yeah, I mean, one of the things. Uh, I keep sorry. I'm playing the bad cop here. I keep coming yeah, back yeah, to yeah, terrible yeah. Sorry, things yeah, in the book. It's fine. It's I fine. mean, there's a moment here um, 
where and you know we we were talking earlier on the program with a with a psychologist about the kind of pressures that sports people come under um, because you're doing what you do for a living in the public mm. eye. Um, and there's a section in the book where everything starts to go very very badly wrong for you. Yeah. You're, you're not sure about your marriage. Um, you've hurt your hand. I remember that, that hand injury that seemed to take forever to to get better. You'd come off a loss. And then, and I think everyone can relate to this because, you know, we always think we're slightly better off than we are. You thought you were a very rich man. And for, I don't know how it came about, but it turns out you, at that time, you had virtually no money. Yeah. Um, and first of all, how did that, how did that, what happened to your money? And then so, you actually used the word depression here. It mm, affected you no, so badly. Definitely. Look, I went through a very a low point in my life and a very, I was in a very dark place. Obviously, I had a big fallout with my family. Uh, then, I had a fallout with my wife, ended up leaving her. Um, I had this wedding hall that I was building, mm-hmm. which then I find out it's probably, I've spent about 12 million quid on it already when it really wow. should have cost me 4 million quid. Then I find out my accounts, I've not got the money that I think I should have in there. Mm-hmm. The amount of money that I've, and uh, that should be in there, it's not, it's not there. And then I, the only way I know how to make money is by fighting. Mm-hmm. My hands are not working. All right. It's still, it's still in pain. I don't know if it's ever going to be okay to fight with. So I'm thinking, wow, I mean, I'm at that age where I'm at the peak of my career where I could be making massive mm-hmm. uh, fights and also making a lot of money in their massive fights. And I'm going to waste my career over my hand problem. Mm. So I've wasted all my time, especially in the peak of my career. So it was it really got me frustrated that I really went into a bit of depression, really. You know what I mean? I, I hit a wall and imagine thinking like that, thinking that, Look, if I never fight again, then I don't know what type of... I'll have to get a job. Nine to five, I might yeah. have to get no, a job. But, nobody wants that, Amir. Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially... What are you going to end up doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, look, you know, one thing I realised... Strawberry and, salesman. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> I'll eat the strawberry. I'll end up eating them all. One pound a bowl. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be working for the strawberry marketing board, the Marketing he? board, yeah. but yeah, exactly, as yeah. a tester. <laughs> but, you know, but, but you know, get honestly... Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the thing was then is, honestly... Um, I, I, I had someone above me I had God looking over me okay. Because I put everything together And I was I was in a very bad mental state And I got a call from uh, I'm a celebrity Saying celebrity, would you like yeah. to go there It was probably the best thing I ever did Because it gave me time to focus On me, my mm-hmm. life Where I want to be Because I was all over the place And you can imagine you know, When someone's low Especially uh, a sportsman When he's at the low part of his uh career everyone's telling him different things and just to, and you things they're gonna say to you they're gonna t- they'll really want the opposite of and so i'm getting people telling me different things but this time when i was in the jungle i got to think for myself mm-hmm. and i took time out to know who amir khan is what do i need how do i need to change and what do i need in my life and that's when i decided to be the be the bigger man apologize to my parents apologize to my wife for accusing her for for, for things and then also changing the whole way of living and you see as soon as I made them change but did my apologies I swear life totally changed I end up getting a call from Eddie Hearn doing a contract deal with him mm-hmm. on a return against La Greco in Liverpool um, hands okay uh, got into training camp felt so good felt so fresh and Came back. So all this is in the book, yeah, and, and probably, yeah. probably in a little bit more detail as well. Oh, as I say, in I'm a lot of detail. Don't worry, I'll sell the book in a few minutes' time. You don't need to do <laughs> that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't need. 
to do that. I, I'm going to do something very unprofessional now, Amir, yeah. because we were talking in the break, and uh, that's supposed to be off the record, but I said to you jovially, and of course, promise me you'll never get back in that ring, and you didn't, and you couldn't. <laughs> but not, not because I, I, nothing specific has been offered to you, but you had that look in your eye that boxers, they can... Box, they, they love it. They it's love like it. an addiction, man. You know, the thing is, you know, the thing is about boxing is... Look, you know, my last fight, I didn't feel the best. And now having two years at the ring, and it's not because you need the money or it's the fame. You miss the sport. It's something I've been doing all yeah. my life. Honestly, and I love boxing. And when I go to the fights and I was the last fight I was at, it was Conor Ben against Smith. And I was out there thinking, wow, that was Connor was great, me. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Oh, the first one. The, sorry, I'm sorry. Eubank. Yeah. Chris Eubank yeah. Jr. Eubank yeah. Jr., yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was watching that fight thinking, wow. Like, um, like an out days. I, I, I miss these days. <laughs> yeah. Because it was only a couple of, uh, it was only two years ago, I felt filled that same stadium up. And I thought, I'm, I do miss it this time. So then I'm getting calls as well. I'm getting a lot of calls recently saying, would you like to do an exhibition? Yeah. Oh my god! Well, your box office, your box office. Yeah. That's just what it is. Show but business. I don't want to look. You're always that like one punch away from getting hurt as well. And yeah. now I've got a family. Now I've got. I'm excited to get that dad body. Do you want to fight me? I don't mind doing do something with you. Me? You know, I mean, you take I mean, it easy I'm not on me a though. boxer. I'm not in any way a boxer. But Spencer Oliver did train you in the corner a while back. I will fight you for <laughs> two, two million quid. Ah, oh, okay. If you give me you're two million yourself. quid, <laughs> see, some fighters used to do this. They used to overpress yeah. themselves to get away. So you're overselling yourself to try and say, "I don't really want to fight you, but I'll fight you." And then you've got to go on. Charlie's on tour at the moment. He's comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So up in Hull at the weekend. Hull on the weekend. Yeah. You'll be off. You'll be calling him out. Let's have it. Let's have it. Let's do it. You'd win. You'd win the fight as well, you know. But, the thing um, is, the thing is, uh, never mind wedding halls, Amir Khan. If you did have some more fights, or maybe you've got a load of money already, you could buy Bolt Mondras. Oh, When's yes. that going to happen? Happening, yeah. First of all, Bolt and Look, what what a team we were back early two thousands. I mean, oh, yeah. what a dirty summer. team, yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, <laughs> no, what team? J who do you support? JJ Okocha. Are you talking about? <laughs> come on, JJ Okocha. JJ Okocha. We are juice. I'll have juice then. Uh, Stelios and all mm. them guys look they were the years when Sam Allardyce had it good for us and obviously look things happened the, the club uh, ran out of a lot of money and then sponsors started leaving and now if you if you go to the Bolton Wanderers uh, football games it's not as busy as it used to be and it's a shame because you've you got one of the nicest stadiums yeah, in the country but you could buy it now that. for the price of two punnets of strawberries you know what? See, he's got, he's got you, to do no, it. No, I can tell, I tell he's you, no, do it. No, no. You know, one thing in life, I knew because of the wedding hall. This is yeah, going yeah, back that to that again. That, it's got of, that much promotion, the wedding hall. I'm, I'm so sorry, but think of that as a defeat. That's how you come yeah. back from the defeat. Yeah, and I've come back from it now, yeah. and now it's on. It's on a rise now. But anyway, what's happened now is because I didn't. I don't know nothing about football. Like going into the wedding like hall all business. Owners of football going clubs, into, you know nothing about football. Yeah, You're perfectly yeah. suited for it. I am not going to put my money into something I don't understand or know about. Yeah. And all that's right. the best success uh, I've ever had. The from, book, like, from, from, from York Hall to the wedding place. hall. I know. From York Hall to the wedding hall would have been amazing. What a great. Uh, well, listen, that wedding hall. Oh. That wedding hall. The book has obviously been meant to be a, some kind of catharsis for you. Let me ask you a really profound question. Yeah. If I may be so bold yes. about myself. Are you happy, Amir? I'm very happy. Do I look happy? Yeah, you yeah, do, you actually. Do. Yeah, yes. You really do. Yeah, I and, feel and, happy. But the last few times I've seen you on television well, after the fights and things like that, you don't always look entirely happy. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm not no, a I'm happy, honestly. But are you happy, yeah? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm happy. Things and, are coming uh, out. Things have come together really well. And also, um, I might look tired. Uh, because so of you don't, you I tell don't. you one thing. 
for this book promotion, the the yeah. early the sleeps I'm only having like three four hours sleep. The drug in me. I tell you what, look at that. Yeah, but I tell you what, boxers don't like that. They like about fifteen hey, hours yeah. a day. Look, I'm I'm working look very hard. Your, look after your kids on your own for a couple of weeks. That'll get you back in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. Listen, everybody, that. the book the book is called Amir Khan Fight for Your Life. It's on one of the major publishers. I'll get the name for you in a second. Penguin. It's from it's from Random House. So it couldn't be are. any bigger publishing. Um, I absolutely tore through it. It's because. Of course, I was interested in what you thought about Terence Crawford and all the rest of it. Yeah. But the other stuff, we haven't even got half here. We haven't talked about the threats from Al Qaeda. We haven't no, thought about the home invasion, all those things. Yeah. The book is absolutely full of things, and I cannot recommend it to you enough. And I can also say um, how grateful we are, indeed, honoured to have had Amir Khan with us for last time. Thank you for having me, Thank you very, very, very much. Thank you so much. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. At the start of the show, um, you announced that your nan... Anne. Anne. Did you and not. Not. Is that her surname? That's her surname. How many not. T's? Two T's. Two T's, yeah. Two T's, yeah. Like the former England um, yep. uh, wicketkeeper. Um, My granddad used to have on his uh, on his golf bag, certainly. He called himself certainly not. It was good fun, uh, very isn't it? Good, nice, yeah. good fun joke. So I can see where you get the funny bone from. <laughs> okay. Um, and we asked uh, stories, please, about your sporting grandparents. Now, I must admit, I had very little hope for this. But it's not gone as bad as I not feared. Not gone as bad. As a few High have, praise a few, indeed. A few have come in. People always doubt my methods, but they, they, stories yeah. normally come in. There we are. We'll start with a little short one. My grandfather-in-law is the famous Barry Webb that played for Leatherhead Football Club back in 65 to 75 and is still the leading scorer of penalties even this even to this day, so there we are. So nice, I'm, isn't it? I'm thinking um, I, I, I can't get the dates right. Leatherhead used mm. to get to the third round of the FA Cup back in those oh, days. Okay. They had a guy called Kelly up front, no relation. 
Um, and I wonder whether he might have been in that yeah, team. I wonder. Well, I wonder I'm gonna, no, we'll look it up later. I'm gonna, we'll look Barry Webb up, yeah, yeah. for a leatherhead a bit later on. We'll get, we'll get his, his, his goals the, the record CV, to be somewhere. CV, yeah. Yeah. This is a nice one. I have the opposite of sporting grandparents. My, gran- my granddad was a miserable git. I think I can say git. You can. He, I've said it now. He lived on the Isle of Wight, and sometimes my parents would palm me and my sisters off for six weeks in the summer holidays. He hated all sports. I'm loving this guy. So far, I'm, I'm, I'm team granddad so far. <laughs> Apart from cricket. And I badgered him for five weeks to go to the park and play cricket with me. He finally relented, and we walked two miles to the park as he didn't drive. He spent ages marking in the distance for the wicket he bowled one ball I hit a lovely cover drive for four he tutted and said well if you're going to be stupid I'm going home <laughs> and he walked straight home without me that's Joel, that for... Joel in Birmingham lovely Absolutely Joel absolutely lovely before we go I mean there are more yes. the cricket has reminded me every time I see Andy um the, the other Andy, yeah, Andy Jacobs, uh, yeah. Jacobs in, yeah. in here. It's right. I'm always reminded in my head about that mad game of cricket that we televised over for three hours here on Talk Sport. <laughs> yeah. We occasionally play out Andy's terrible over where he got hit for I think 48 from six balls, wasn't it? Something like that. And yeah. um, and it makes me laugh every time because the whole thing was absolutely <laughs> bonkers. I couldn't in see Richmond, yeah. in Richmond Park. I could. We were in a lovely pub. I couldn't see the cricket going on, so I was having it relayed to me by people on very poor microphones. Meanwhile, Monty Panesar, who was at, I think he won't mind me saying, one of his more uh, exuberant moments in his life, was running around the pub behaving very weirdly as well. Mm. The whole thing was absolutely mad. The other day, somebody has changed the avatar on this group. You were there as well. I was there. I see you in full cricket yeah, I rides. played, I played. I Forgive took two, me. I took two wickets that day. I mean, I remember the Ashes, and I remember England in the World Cup. You playing in that game, I've got no recollection I of. I took two wickets. Someone edged it. Ian Danter caught it. Ian uh-huh. Danter's left hand, which I thought was a good name for a band, if I'm yeah. honest. Dance, dance, you know, dance, dance, it says on the radio. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, were lovely, there. Lovely. Okay, good. And Clive Allen was there, of course. Clive Allen was playing wicketkeeper. Yeah, Clive, I'm not sure it suited necessarily for the game of cricket, although he's a very good all-round sportsman. Yeah. When you shake hands with Clive, okay. I'm a very large man, mm. and you realise, oh, there's my entire paw disappeared. And you forget that footballers are yeah, they're, physically they're gifted. Guys, yeah, yeah, yeah they're big I, I'm, 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 I also must tell people, um, for those who don't know, during the break there, we were all having a pitch take on Amir Khan, all very excited <laughs> fanboys, and Charlie thought it'd be funny to square up to him the way you do. <laughs> Amir made one tenth of one boxing move, and Charlie ran away in the corner and curled no, up like a I child. I folded, is what I did. I just absolutely folded. There are deck chairs on t- on, t- on t- Torquay Beach. We were down a little bit slower than that. How did he do that. it? He just moved like sideways and did something, and my my whole body just sort of just collapsed in I, on itself. I was thinking I could hear your heart thumping in your chest. <laughs> I was about four stone lighter when he left. I'd made a cut weight. I made weight. I don't think he's going to fight you. I know you offered him out. I've offered him a fight if he wants, you know, two million quid. That's my purse price. What else have you got? And I hope hope everyone, miserable grandparents, there's a whole other... Oh, oh, there, but I'll take those. Yeah, it's a whole other We'll take your miserable grandparent stories all day, 8, 10, 89, lovely. I asked my Finnish granddad. He's not finished, he's 26, what is it? Antony Amy. He's from Scandinavia. We all know that one. I asked my Finnish granddad what exercise he did when he was younger. He casually replied, oh, the usual, cross-country skiing and shooting bears. That's George in London. Now, we should make the point, no bears were hurt in the right typing of that text. We want to make that clear to you out there before we get get cancelled. The Finnish people are great, of course, because they have a vast country, very few of them, and so they all do really mad things. Long-distance running, cross-country skiing, their skills in these sorts of things. And, of course, I don't want to get too topical about it, that's why the, you know the, the Russians. After what happens to them in Finland, 
they realise these people, they're, they're quite nuts. They will... Mm. Shooting bears comes very quickly protecting your board. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's exactly. all I'm saying you're, you're, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that. If you, li- if you live in Finland, don't, sh- don't go shooting any bears if you live in, like, Chester or something. No, and uh, the next thing we're going to do, uh, it, very interesting, I don't know much about this now, but I'm very keen to learn because a man's coming in who set up a company that's going to recreate immersive experiences mm. of great sporting events of the past, starting with the Rumbling Jungle. Cannot wait for that. We'll talk about that in just a few seconds here on Kelly and Baker on Talk Sport. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, sorry, we were a bit delayed there because we're greeting our next guest. Um... Actually, I worked with him uh, one show and one show only. I think he might have given You've me the You've worked with everyone, Danny. You've uh, worked yeah. with everyone. He has been, in my opinion, one of the most talented rugby players oh, England yeah. has had access to over the past 15 or so years. I would say that his record of international caps might not back that up, um, but that is all the subject of his new book. Who Am I? is Danny Cipriani's new book. Um, as we build up to, a call, we're in the middle of the Rugby Union World Cup mm. now. Um, it's called Who Am I? And welcome aboard, Danny Howard. It's great to see you, man, again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much indeed. We've just been talking to Amir Khan about his new book, and he he made it, uh, he decided to write a book that is searingly honest at times. It felt you feel you're intruding into things in his book um, because he needed to apologise to his wife for various things that happened. What was your motivation for writing a book that, again, let's be honest, it's not really just about your rugby career. Mm. By, a, by a long chalk, what made, made you decide to write a story about your life rather than just about rugby? Because um, I think doing a book just about rugby kind of explains it. People that have followed my career um, and have been there, you know, in terms of the people that really watch rugby a lot, because I know there's fans that just kind of watch internationals and read the snippets, but the ones that have followed my career, the people I've played with, they understand what my career on the field's been like but in terms of where I had to get to and the, the resilience I had throughout my career to keep continuing to play um, for me was the, the far bigger story but also for me the bigger achievement because ultimately playing rugby and doing what I did on the field it felt easy it felt enjoyable it where it is where I felt safe and it's where I enjoyed you know my, having an amazing career and getting to the point I am at in life now but then discussing the inner workings of my chaotic mind and, and everything that sort of people read about in the media, um, it gave me the license to really show what I was feeling and what I was going through. And in doing so, hopefully, you know, shining a light upon the media in how they behave and the nature of it to create narratives and characters to sell papers. Because ultimately, at one point when I was getting external validation, that was really wearing on me internally. And then once I've done the work internally and, and keep going along the line that I am, I'm able now to reflect in those moments with a, a loving eye and, and a lightness, but I want to reflect in an honest manner so they see what their behaviour is because, you know, they, they not only affect the individuals involved, but they keep a sort of grey cloud over our nation because all we read about is is a judgmental, contradicting, um, angry, fear-based media and we don't really see anything uplifting and positive, hence why... You know, people are happy to troll on the internet. They're well, the original trolls. So you, you've gone straight in then to for two. For, I was hoping to work up to this gently, since we're oh, a, sorry. A, a a media company who owns this radio station. Yeah, no, no, I've, I've got no ill feeling no, no, towards no. them. Well, yeah, yeah. You, one of the central things in the book is I don't know whether it's held back your rugby career, but it certainly it had an effect on your life. Is your relationship with the press now? There was a time, of course. You're a handsome chap, and you're very successful. And we, if you asked people to say, give me three words about Danny Cipriani, say famous, um, you know, just say famous and all the rest of it, and we assumed you were very happy. But of course, 
that, that that's always the surface problem, isn't it? You look very good on the back page celebrating your latest try. Meanwhile, paparazzi are parked outside your front door. How much of an effect did it have on you personally? Your, yeah, rela your relationship with the media? Uh... I think, you know, for me, when I was young and I got into rugby, it was through love. It was my fun and safe space. Mm. And as a child, I'm seven, eight years old, and I'm not getting necessarily maybe the validation or, or the attention that, that a child might want in that scenario. But yet when I go on the rugby field, I've got this tough um, deputy headmaster, Mr. O.D., giving me all this love in assembly, yet he doesn't really speak of other people like this. So at that age, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, obviously when I reflect on it now, I'm not thinking it like then, but I reflect and I see how I really love that because mm -hmm. someone sees me for who I feel I am in that present moment. Mm -hmm. And then that transpires and keeps going and keeps going. But then it gets to a point when my validation is still outside of myself. And when the media started turning on me around 21, 22 years old, I don't have the ability to regulate my emotions. And, and I'm also wearing the negative impact of that because then it's turning in turning it back towards me and mm. that's that whole journey and the circle of things that come up throughout your life and and my experiences throughout my childhood that would then come out later on throughout the media and um again there's no blame there's no finger pointing it's i'm fully accountable for all my actions but i'm now able to reflect uh an honest way and be be very straight about everything that i've experienced rather than sitting here writing a bitter, angry book because I've loved every experience. Every experience has allowed me to be fully present in this moment like I was on the field and now I live my days as such. And that's the, the gift of life. It's not necessarily the achievement or the success and all the things that come with it. And writing a book and sharing that story, it takes you on that journey. Can I ask you a question, a very serious question because of the language you're using? Have you had therapy and counselling? Uh, no, I had therapy for a short period when I was 22. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens is now... Where have you learned this language of validation, seeing things through the eyes of love and all the yeah. rest of it? Well, you know, there's always been a deep... Um, you know, when you... There's a, a, a direct correlation to people that are successful that it comes from some form of pain. And you're going through that journey. It doesn't always necessarily look like a joyous occasion because the, the, the length you've got to go to to be seen, to be heard, are all the things that you put your talent into. And that was, for me, sport. So along the way, I'm recognising that I'm not feeling as good as I want to be. So I start leaning into things like pleasurable moments that are, are, are distracting my mind in those moments when I'm away from the field, you know, through substance, through um, frequenting uh, females and things that were available to me, but n never through a, a negative or an angry eye. It, it was always me searching and trying to get some form of feeling. Um, but throughout my time, I've had so many amazing people that I've come across from Steve Black, my mentor at 24, and Laird Hamilton, Kevin Lidlow, my physio, that you know have always seen me for me and, and going deep into this journey that I've been on to find peace and have like the most blissful days. It, it's taken a lot of uh, experiences for me to look at them in a different eye and not feel the weight of what it used to be and how it used to make me feel because you can move past the feeling and the emotion and the thoughts and you can continually stay in a state of meditation or peace or bliss and that's how I live my days now and I feel very grateful because um, each experience that you, you read about has, has led me to this day. Do you think the fact that you're obviously an intelligent man, you can speak with clarity, you speak with honesty, you used to play the way you played the game, the way you play the game, I know you've not retired, the way you play the game, you play it in your own way and that is attractive to watch it's brilliant to watch i find a lot of sports coaches they want their players to be able to they want to be like machines you want to be able to put the information in and then they go on the pitch and do that 
Do you think that held you back, that the fact that you think for yourself and you speak for yourself? Uh, I don't think it's held me back because of the way I feel in my current day now. Like, maybe in terms of achieving success in in a, a material way of caps or yeah, playing I mean, for yeah. England, or uh, it could do to a certain degree, but only being true to myself is the only answer I can give because along that I faced all those difficulties that came out throughout my adult life because... Um, my upbringing, I, I grew up fairly alone and had to start making decisions from a young age mm -hmm. f fairly by myself. So that's why when I got on the field, decision-making in a chaotic environment, I played slow. I slowed everything down. I, I was calm. It was easy for me to do that. That's why I played the game in a different manner from mm. what people would say and how they observed me. Um, and, you know, life isn't about to get success or you're not going to die with your achievement. But in terms of where I was as a child or even... When I met you, Danny, and we had interviews back in the day, that I wouldn't, I wasn't able to um, articulate or put across my thoughts or feelings. Like the fact you said I was intelligent then, I would never thought of myself as that as a kid. Like I don't even think of myself as that now. I, I don't know anything apart from being present and being able to be here and give whatever energy state I'm in and, and talk as such. You talk. Uh, I mean, obviously, professional rugby is a very um, active, violent sort of game in its yeah. own its own way, and you talk now very calmly um, and, and very gently, actually, um, about things. So when you look back 10 years and you see the way you were being portrayed, or maybe the way you are, I don't know, um, as a kind of bad boy playboy of English sport, um, do you recognise yourself at all in those images on in the newspapers or on the TV? Yeah, definitely recognise myself because... I can't run from those moments. I can't avoid it. You can't avoid anything in life, otherwise it'll keep rearing its head at some point. So I recognise it. And, and part of a lot of my work for now is like the forgiveness of that and how that made me feel as well because I'm behaving in ways, having good times on the outside. It looks like I'm having great times, which, I, you know, I had a lot of fun too. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie, mm -hmm. but I was, I was extremely professional across my career. But there was moments and snippets away from the field that were highlighted and and written about which gave people a different perception but you know it, when you read the book you see how I went so far into my career and I gave it everything I had and I went to organizations and I made teams play in a more enlightening exciting way at Sale and at Wasps and at Gloucester um, and you know I enjoyed that journey because it was like you know giving hope or giving belief into a group of men because within rugby it's quite a self-deprecating society the way that we speak in the change rooms or the english society too is like we like to you know, say down, negative eh? things yeah, about yeah. ourselves as well as each other yes, just because yes. it's deemed funny and at times of course it is I'm, I'm not saying like not to be that but at some point your words have power and if that's how you continue to speak then when is that sport ever going to grow and become magical and, and and see the art of what it truly is because you know, you look at football, you look at boxing, you look at the, the, the magnitude of these events. You know, these guys have ultimate confidence in themselves. Yeah. But yet in rugby, if you show that, you're seen to be arrogant or this or that. And, and it's not because I don't have confidence in others. I don't belittle anyone else or think less of anyone else. But I can have full belief in myself. It's really interesting, the human dimension yeah. of all this, because, and we'll get on to other things that are in the book after yeah. a break, but very quickly, I was interested that one of the, one of the people you seem to have got on very well with in rugby is Sean Edwards, yeah. who, if you put the two of you, I've been in rooms with the two of you for hours on end, you would say there's two very different human beings and yet you seem to have dovetailed with him beautifully. Yeah, for sure. Like when I went into Wasps as a, as a kid, you know, when you meet Sean, you're intimidated. You can't not be yeah, the of course you are, but, yeah. but ultimately, 
I didn't feel that way necessarily about um, adults. I didn't have that father figure to overcome or look up to. So I, from a young age, was having to do that myself. So I would ask Sean questions that probably threw him off a bit because they were quite straight questions. And in doing so, early on, he started sharing and being vulnerable and, and sharing his experience of his life with me when I was 15, 16, and we were training by ourselves in the gym. And he took a liking to me and got me under his wing. And, you know... I'm goddad to his daughter, like, so it's not like it was a... And when he asked me that when I was 27, I knew our relationship was special, but you never quite know if it's just a player-coach scenario. And when he asked me that, it meant a lot to me because I was like, that's what I felt about you too in, in that in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and But you say it's different, but it's one in the same. It might it might look and sound different, but, you know, he's a, he's had a very unique upbringing and he's been very driven and, and he, he's faced lots of different struggles within his life and he's an extremely emotional, intelligent man and he's extremely compassionate, hence why he has so much success within rugby. It's not, like, defence isn't a difficult part of the game. You know, he connects to people and that's why they want to play for him. Um, and that's what makes him stand out. But we'll talk more about what uh, think, everything that's in the book. It, I mean, it, it, it asks a question where hopefully the book will answer it. We'll try and get more into it <laughs> in this interview. It's called Who Am I? with Danny Cipriani. Um, we've got an, uh, we're, we're blessed to have another 15 minutes with Dan. We'll do that just after this break. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. I'm delighted to say for another 15 minutes or so is Danny Cipriani, um, whose book, as I say, unusually for sports books, which normally are called things like I am fantastic and yeah. <laughs> aren't I great? Um, ask the question, who am I? Um, Danny, I wanted to, you've used a, I want to find out why you were in a place where you were not in proper touch with the public image of yourself. And you talked about, you've talked about your childhood there several times, you mentioned it. So I'm going to intrude here and ask you about your childhood because <laughs> I know that your dad um, went back to, I think, the Caribbean yeah. um, when you were a, a tiny baby. Um, and yet you've talked to yourself being alone. Talk to me about your childhood. Do you think do you think that was what gave you this constant need for, to use your word, validation of a people to like you or tell you you're great, which eventually led you to a place where you weren't happy? Yeah, there, there is definitely a, a huge part of that. And, you know, everyone, everyone for me is born with a gift. And for me, I was fortunate to fall into something that it had a career attached to it. So I was able to go and play rugby. Um, and then when I backtrack everything, the reason why I got into rugby, it was love in the first place. And then ultimately everything that came with it was all these lessons and all these things to experience. But I still had a childhood along the side of it that was ongoing and things that were happening within my life that come out later on in life. It happens for everyone and it was coming out in my behaviours. And there was times that I didn't even know that I could get out of that cycle of behaviour. It was so repetitive. It was so consistent. Um, my mind was so chaotic. Uh, I didn't ever think I would be able to be with one uh, beautiful woman and spend the rest of my life with her. And I'm unbelievably grateful that... This is Victoria. Yeah, you know, she's the most incredible woman. And, you know, f for me to even to be at that point without any wondering eye that I used to feel or have, it, it is com it's the most peaceful, loving place to be because I don't have that need to be creating a flirtatious environment or locking eye with another woman or in any mm. example of that because for me I was like yeah no I feel enough when I'm doing things like that and receiving that you don't need to beat yourself up too much about what what you used to be yeah no let, yeah, me, for sure. let me tell you from much further down the line <laughs> okay let's uh, do we it. all do some pretty let's dim stuff um <laughs> you know I, I look back on the years I spent in the music industry uh, rumbling around Soho at three o'clock in the morning and I think 
Dan, you're such a nice bloke now. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't need what, to be. Were you not doing good things yeah. in Soho, Danny? I was, <laughs> I was behaving in a way that I would now. Um, I can't use the word. Uh, it rhymes with banker. That I would. That I would say if I saw someone else doing it now, I'd go look. Look at that. Look at that there over, over there. But you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at any of my experiences no, that I've been in God like gone because ultimately everything leads you into a point like we're, we're in a, a society where everything is put down your throat to become something work hard achieve but you know humans have been here for a lot longer than that so i don't think those are the the values that necessarily are the most highest and attainable ones right. for the most peaceful life let's get let's get to the crux of this now let's uh, do it because i'm a sports radio station yes Danny. the way you're talking the things you're saying and the way you are appear on the surface to me to be exact opposites contradictions to the way professional rugby union works. I mean, we see them talking mm -hmm. about the group and the work ethic and the the need to overpower people. And, uh, you, you know, even the documentaries, they can't hide it. The, 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 the level of... I mean, I don't. I, I just don't think it you, sounds like you would fit in in modern rugby union. But I mean, I may have that so wrong because you've said you've inspired teams. Do, do you know what? There's loads of people I've played with that... Uh, get on extremely well with like within mm. the environments but for me within the sport of rugby it lacks a certain amount of vulnerability because to go and create magic and to go and do things that are unexpected you have to be vulnerable to do it if you mm. feel like you have the answer if you feel like you have to be tough and strong and work hard and that's your route of going and that's your focus you're going to miss out on the magic of what could be you you look at footballers and the way they play the game and the high skill efforts that they have and the emotional intelligence that those guys have and the, the relationship they have with their coaches when they when they you know, they bond and they hug after games you don't see that within rugby um, it's a relatively new thing in, in, in soccer as well. It though, is, it? Yeah. but then you also see, when you see the, the best of the best type coaches, your Steve Kerr's, your Phil Jackson's, your Pep Guardiola's, the relationship Pep would have with his players, that takes a certain character, a certain type of man who has done a lot of self-assessment, reflection on himself, and he doesn't, he doesn't lead with fear. I suppose the old school tough nut rugby union people would say, it's all very well talking like that, Danny. Um, about say football players, they haven't got Etzevets running at them. Um, you look at the two most physically demanding sports in UFC and boxing. The whole show and the build-up for it is all macho ego talk. Let's sell this fight. But they're training day in day out the art of boxing. You have to stay relaxed in your shoulders. You have to stay relaxed in the cage. You have to stay relaxed when someone's attacking you in that way. And then that's when you can pick your shots and fight. They're not actually thinking, I want to kill you in this moment <laughs> because then all that does is build tension, build stress, build extra weight on your shoulders in that current moment. I'm getting less and less comfortable the way boxers talk to each other. I'm going to take your head off and all the rest of it. Yeah, they, they do it to create that fanfare I'm and sure that noise. Sure they do, yeah. but, if, they don't, but if, they, if, the, if the bout is interesting enough, they don't... I, I don't like it myself. Agreed. Man. We're in an era of attention. So you have the loudest voice with the most crazy thing that you said, then you're going to receive, you know, either hate or love or whatever it might be. But for me, the way well, that I want to lead... Hits and, um, and downloads. Yeah, yeah. All, all that stuff, if that's what people are, are going for, you know, and that's just not what my life has been about, even though people have written a lot about me and from the outside, there's snippets and there's lots of people assuming and judging in, in certain ways. And I understand that. They're, they're looking... At a very small part of my life but i also was trying to figure out who i was along the way of this whole journey because my, my route into this world was slightly different you know as everyone's is everyone has a different start to life and you know 
I've got to a point where I have the most beautiful family, you know, two beautiful stepchildren and two beautiful step-grandchildren. I'm, I'm loving my days. You're a granddad, Dan. I'm a, I'm a step-granddad, Danny. <laughs> yeah. A seven-year-old and one-year-old, Rosie and Lily, and they are the most beautiful little lights. And, you know, I spend so much time with them hanging out and, it, that, you know, they, they do bring real joy to me. So we've read about your past. There we go. In the book, you know. You read about your past, a rich and full past, <laughs> yeah, Danny. It's, it's, I think it's colourful, colourful life. It's a, colorful, life. It's a good life. You've not left anything. Kept, I kept nothing out in half the t- of it. Yeah, like, good, <laughs> volume two. There you go. What's in the future? Can you can you be the change that rugby union needs? I don't know about that. I, I can't. But all, all I know is when I go back, when my ego was attached to what I was doing and I was trying to achieve and succeed and I wasn't getting what I was getting and I was feeling less of and I was getting players player of the year and I didn't get selected for the World Cup or I was... Mm you know, pushing the boundary and I wasn't getting what I felt I, I deserved or wanted. And it really put me on some soul searching. And then I get to this point I'm at now and I reflect all the way back and love was the driving force that we're all born with inside of us, but our experiences take us away from it. And that's what got me into rugby, into this magical journey of where I'm at now. I truly feel like my life's just beginning. I don't know which way that's going to go. I don't mm. know how it's going to look, but I'm going to continue to commit to this energy state for the rest of my life because it, all I know in these last six months, 12 months, 18 months, I've been enjoying my days in a, in a way which I have no control over. I'm experiencing things on a day-to-day basis that really, you know, fill my heart with, with joy and love. So um, whether it be speaking to, I get so many beautiful messages from other athletes and st- struggles that they've gone through. And I happily share and speak to them through my experience because I've been through the whole mill of it. So I like to do that, you know, with some young footballers or rugby players yeah. in that light, um, coaching in, within rugby or any, any environment. That, I don't know how it's going to look because I know we're also in a bit of a spiritual warfare in this country where everyone's minds are quite chaotic and they're focused on the current dopamine hits and what's in front of them and, mm-hmm. and how do I find this and that because we're all driven in this society of what's going on. And I think through COVID, you know, through falling in love and me having a bit of time out to really like look at myself has allowed me to dive deep within and there's lots I'd love to share with people along the way um, and how that looks I have no control over I didn't know how my career was going to go and it was uh, is, is there any part of you that thinks it would have been different if you'd been 5 foot 6 18 stone had cauliflower ears and a, <laughs> and a, and a front row prop I don't know man. said prop I don't I don't I don't think about things like that because yeah. you'd have been of less interest than newspapers <laughs> <laughs> there you go do, do you know what I, I it's really sent me some places where I've had to come out of it and and find you know some people go into dark places and don't get out or they just are okay and that's what we see a lot of but there's ways that you can transform it into having a beautiful life day to day and commit into an energy state and even if good and bad things come your way you can commit and keep your frequency at a certain level and that's what I love to do right now because it means that I'm enjoying the fruits of life Mm -hmm. um but I'm also willing to have tough conversations about what's going on within rugby. But for, in terms of through my experience, I'm not doing it from a hateful or a bitter eye. I'm, I'm also going to speak about the media. I'm not going to shy away from that. You know, what happened to Caroline three years ago mm-hmm. was a huge driving force for me to go within and look even further at yeah. myself because it broke lots of things inside of me. Like lots of things crashed that day. You know, I looked emotionally unstable because I had to let things out that were I'd been holding on for so long. But nothing changed. So for me... I do feel like I've got a mission and a purpose to keep delivering in the way I am. And I don't know what I'm going to say until you ask the question. So ultimately, I'll just deliver it uh, as such. Well, let's, let's move into the into the, re- the, the the real present, if you like. Let's the do rugby, it, Danny. The Rugby World Cup has started. Yes. Um, obviously, Ireland are going to win. We know that. <laughs> um, but uh, They've got a good chance, uh, you know. 
Well, wait, I think the, the, the draw's been very unkind. I think they might, they, is, they they, might, might, might meet France in the quarterfinals. They've got That's the me best my excuse in They've got the best attacking formation, which is the most consistent. And they've got depth too, haven't they? they Provided they do, Sexton stays fit, they've got, the, the they've players, got depth. They're good players, but their attacking framework's the best. And within rugby, if you have a good framework and a good shape that you can consistently fall upon, you're actually going to make huge strides. England won their first match, they but they've did. had a terrible run. What do you make of the England they team? Did. I think right now, you know, uh, Steve has inherited a team that has had six to seven years drilling of playing under a coach that leads by fear. And when I say that, it's all stat-based, it's all outcome-based. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing on him, but that's just the way he leads. And you see that with how he speaks to the media and the way he addresses people mm -hmm. and the turnover of staff and all the injuries within the players. So I'm not sure he knew how deep it ran, but he, now he's in it. He definitely, with Wiggy, who's a great attack coach, and Kevin Sinfield, who's obviously got a great character to him, there's a, a, a longer plan to transition them out into joy and, and expressing themselves. And you already hear the players talk. They pl they're talking as such, and it, it's going to take a bit of time. The fact they got a win in the World Cup under all the pressure they were under is a great sign. Like George Ford had a fantastic Amazing. game, kicked some phenomenal drop goals. Even when they didn't look like they were going to go and push the, the boundary and score the tries, they found a way to win. Under pressure, wasn't it, by Ford? Unbelievable to find a way to win. Um, but the long-term plan will be look very different to what they need to do in this World Cup, which is pick up wins. And if they do it in that fashion, no one's going to care because Steve and Wiggy know in the long term, because they, like, they're both good family men who have beautiful families that they look after and they're the type of people you want to follow. The people that say the type of things that inspire you, nothing that's going to take away. And the previous reign was quite a, a negative, detrimental, talking down um, current state, you know, so... But right now, if they just pick up wins, I think they're going to have a great competition. They've got a, a slightly easier side of the draw. Definitely. Um, but they've also got a lot of talented players within the group that can, you know, push push the boundary and, and do something on the day. And it's professional sport. Anything could happen. But I've got to ask yeah, you, who do you think might win it? At this moment, when you're looking at the, the field. Originally, I said France, South Africa, but they've both had little injuries. But I'm still leaning on to South Africa at the moment with Ireland too. Yeah, he's a good player. But they've just got an unbelievable system and, and, and a group and a culture that you... you you can't buy on a clipboard. You can't go in there and be like, this is the culture. Mm. Like, it's it's actually a genuine... Um, it's proper soul involved, yeah. man. Like, from Sia to, to Eben to Willie to all the boys Captain's that are involved. amazing. It's a phenomenal yeah. character, man. And, you know, to turn your pain to purpose and into love in the way he plays and the way they lead as a group, like, that's the inspiring part of them as a nation. Well, look, the last half an hour has been really, really yeah. um, interesting to me and uh, enlightening. Um, I think anybody listening to it will get the gist that this is not an ordinary sports book. <laughs> the second that we've had on here today, yeah. by a long way, but very different, of course. Um, I'm going to say to you again, it's called Who Am I? Uh, Danny's uh, lovely face is beaming <laughs> out of the front of it there. And if you want to read something about, how, about the hinterland way beyond the sports field and how the two things interact and change through the corkscrew progress of one person's life, then I, can't, I really can recommend it to you as well. Um, it's published by one of Cheers, the big Danny. publishers. I appreciate that, man. No, Danny, uh, <laughs> you know, it's easy. It, anyone can write, and then I did this, and then I did that, and then I did the other. Yeah, yeah. The trick is, and I, of course, I've I judged the William Hill for the last the Sportsbook Awards for a quarter of a century. There's millions of books still getting published like that. Yeah. But they don't need to be on here, though. We need to get the ones that are more interesting. And thank you so much for coming in no, and telling us all about the book. Cheers. Thank Bless you, guys. You.
We're racing towards the finishing line. We will crest it like Usain Bolt. Bless you for listening. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There, I told you that was going to be a great podcast, but that's it for now. I'm back tomorrow on the H&J slot. Um, Andy Jacobs will be back as well. And we'll have Stan Collymore and Owen Morgan. Don't miss that. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.